Hi there, friend. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Cowgirl Confessions Podcast. On this episode, I catch up with well-known trick rider Wendy ratchford Latin of Winniewood, Oklahoma. Whether Wendy is Roman riding, working behind the scenes as a secretary or a timer at a bull riding, or watching her son compete, she tackles every task at hand with class, professionalism, and the cowgirl state of mind. I encourage you to embrace that same cowgirl state of mind as you work toward your goals and dreams as you ride through 2021. Hey y'all and welcome. You're listening to the Cowgirl Confessions Podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Dawn Johnson, small town cowgirl with southern roots, blazing a trail as a Midwest ranch wife, mama, and businesswoman. The mission of Cowgirl Confessions is to share the wonderfully wild and western life stories of cowgirls from all walks of life. We'll talk about the highs, the lows, and everything in between when it comes to navigating careers, cowboys, kids, and cattle. Legendary cowgirl Dell Evans said it best, Cowgirl is a pioneer spirit, a special brand of American courage. The cowgirl faces life head on, lives by her own lights, and makes no excuses. Cowgirls take stands, they speak up, they defend the things they hold dear. A cowgirl might be a rancher, a barrel racer, a bull rider, or an actress, but she's just as likely to be a checker at the local Winn-Dixie, a full-time mother, a banker, an attorney, or an astronaut. If you're into wet saddle blankets, talks with God, buckets full of laughter, and the life lessons learned in the process, kick off your boots and settle in. I pray these stories encourage, empower, and give you just the leg up you need. Here's to embracing the cowgirl state of mind, no matter how wild and western life may get along the way. Wendy, I really appreciate you agreeing to be on the podcast and share some of your story today with the listeners. Um, Just thank you so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate you even considering calling me. I'm an honor. Well, heck yeah. I I made a list um, back when this whole podcast was just kind of a a dream. I hadn't taken any action on it yet. Didn't even know the first thing about podcasting. And you were on that top 10 list of people I was like, you're, you're one of those best kept secrets because you're not always, you know, putting all your stuff out there on social media um, like a lot of people do. And so you're kind of a best kept secret, I think, in the Western world. And I'm, I'm really thankful I've gotten to, to know you on a more personal level, um, you know, just through living in Oklahoma for a while. And so um, let's, let's just start off by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and, and your family. Well, I'm Wendy Ratchford Latin. Um, come from the Ratchford Rodeo family. My dad was Wendell, is Wendell, and um, he rodeoed in the IPRA from the time he was 17. And my grandpa was Thurman, and his wife was Teresa. And they had started a rodeo company back in the late 50s, early 60s. And my dad grew up going to rodeos from the time he was eight. Um, and then he, his brothers, um, my uncles, Jimmy and Davey, both competed my aunt competed Uh, my dad met my mom on the rodeo circuit and um, they had me on the road while they were still going and until I was school age we traveled you know lived out of a camper and rodeoed the world Um, and then 
majority of my family on dad's side all still compete or have had competed um, in some event, mostly rough stock, but um, we do have some ropers on the cousin's side. And um, it's just no way around getting out of a rodeo. I mean, it was just going to happen. I don't really have anybody in my family that doesn't have some sort of connection now. Um, met my husband through rodeos. Um, he got hired to fight bulls at the Longhorn rodeos that we were working on. And um, we've been together ever since. And so it's, it's just been, I guess, our whole circle of life has been around rodeo. Oh, man, I, I love, I love that. And I love, you know, it's, it's such a family oriented sport. And, um, you know, your, your dad, uh, for those of you guys listening, Wendy and I, we've got a pretty unique story. I mean, we knew each other through rodeo and going to some IPRA rodeos, but I, um, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, kind of mid twenties, I, I up and moved back to Oklahoma for a second time. And, um, Wendell, Wendy's dad, ended up being my landlord and kind of a, a really and truly not kind of, but a, a second, like a second dad to me. And um, because Wendy, Wendy took a job, a friend of ours, a mutual friend that's an attorney, she had went on maternity leave. And so Wendy had went on to take another job. And so the job Wendy had was open and I was needing a job. And so I, I kind of took that. And then we had the connection that her dad was my landlord. And so, um, you know, Wendy, while she's well, she's my friend and I met her through rodeo. I, I got to really feel like I was part of that, that Ratchford, um, Latin family, if you will, um, for many years when I lived in yes. Winniewood. And, um, so yeah, y'all just, you make everybody feel like family. Well, uh, we try. I know dad does. He's, he's, he loves, um, being able to help people and he's always got his door open and loves having visitors and people come into his family. I know that. Yeah. I mean, he, it was always, you know, need somewhere to stay or you needed something you weren't going to do without there for sure. And so, um, well, Wendy, I'm wondering, you are, you wear a lot of hats. I mean, I haven't ever seen anything that, that you couldn't do. If I was going to put on any type of production, whether it was a rodeo or not, I'd be like, if you need a multitasker, Wendy Lighton's the person to hire because you can do it. You can time, you can secretary, you can trick ride, like, you can talk to people, you, you know how to just wear a lot of hats and do it really well. So, um, but I feel like a lot of people in the rodeo industry know you as a trick rider, you're mm -hmm. extremely talented. And so how did you get your start trick riding? Um, as long as I can remember, my granny told me that when I was two years old, that's all I ever wanted to do was be a trick rider. I had no intentions of doing anything else. And <laughs> we were on the Longhorn run, um, Longhorn World Championship Rodeo that Loretta Lynn started and then Bruce Lerke ran for years. Um, Dad has always worked for them from the time he was 18 years old. He's either worked for him or he ended up being the stock contractor for that rodeo company for years, uh, about 22 years, I believe, was his run. And um, so every year he, Bruce made it a point to have trick riding. Um, and it was some of the best trick riders that was ever around. And so I grew up watching those trick riders and becoming their kids' friends. And um, they were like second parents, as most rodeo people are. You know, you, you're around them every week. You're, you end up being one of their kids, too. Um, and so it, as long as I could remember when I got up into school, you know, of course, we ran barrels, had to go to the high school rodeos, had barrel horse, pole horse, goat tine horse, all that. 
And I'd be out there messing around on all of my horses trying to figure out how to do these tricks. And so I got into my high school years and um, still wanted to trick ride. At, at 13, I went to some friend's house that had a saddle. She, Patty Visa, um, she had a saddle. She had a horse. She thought she came from Sammy Andrews. He was a pickup horse, thought would be good enough to trick ride on. She didn't trick ride much herself, but she thought she knew enough to show me. And I spent the weekend with her. And I look back and this wonder we didn't kill me, but um, <laughs> we would send that Gildan and we weren't sure about how we had these straps hooked up, but we would send him down the side of this pasture at a, just like a full run. And she'd sit at the other end of the pasture on a mare that he was really sour to. And after one day of doing everything at a standstill, I just did it at a run and didn't yeah. know any better. And so that was my one weekend of getting to see if I wanted to do it or not. And then it took like three more years before I got my own saddle and could do my own thing. Um, and then, of course, I went to college and I didn't have a place to keep a horse. And then I just it got to one of those you know, crossroads where I I'd try to go visit dad at the Longhorn Rodeos every chance I get. Even when I was in high school, every weekend I could get away. I'd run see him and I'd get to carry the flags, the pivots. For the openings and I'd get to help you know do whatever I could um and then Melanie Isley Keith Isley's wife she told me she was going to retire and and I was like well I've been training on one of our pickup horses trying to get him to trick ride I was like my saddle is not in good shape but you know I if you'll help me you know tell me how to set this up I mean I would love to learn and uh, so I mean I stayed that fall and worked on that pickup horse and got him patterned, got him to where I could do some stuff on him. She showed me how to get my straps right. And um, that fall, she said, hey, I'm going to retire. You know, if you could get three good tricks down, I bet Bruce would hire you since you're already, you know, going on with your dad. And so I had to make a decision whether I was going to either quit school because, you know, at that time in the early 90s, there was no internet. <laughs> Yeah. There was no homeschool or, or uh, online schooling at all. Um, so I had to decide, you know, if I'm going to either do this and take my one shot where this door is open and I'll never get this opportunity again um, and try to go for it. And so I tried my best to get those, you know, three good tricks down on that pickup horse. And then I asked Bruce if I could audition for him at Nashville. Um and the weekend I got there, I started working on that horse with Melanie, and I believe it was Angelo Idisi. He's from New York, was there, and they were helping me with him, you know, make sure everything was going to go good. And that horse had been, had when I had been practicing on him, he had not been used as a pickup horse, so he wasn't sore, and he was feeling fine. Well, I was using him, practicing on him at that rodeo after they'd been picked up Bronx on him all weekend. Mm not realizing that now he's sore <laughs> and dad actually stayed and watched me practice that day and I think that was maybe the first time he'd ever watched me practice because he never really wanted me to do it and um I get up in my trick and this sucker breaks in two and I mean he does buck and throws me down steps on me I get up I catch him again I was like I don't know why he did that he's never done that before and I do another trick and I do a liberty stand and about the time I come around the curve, he breaks in two again. And I mean, throws me back down underneath him. I've got one foot still in the strap. He kicks me, steps on me. 
finally I come loose and Melanie is like bawling and she's like please don't ever get on that horse again she said go saddle Sonny that was her horse and uh, so I got on him and the rest was history like everything just went so smooth that horse was so perfect and automatic and everything was like oh my god this is a dream and the next day I, I got to practice on him then and then the next day I auditioned for Bruce and he hired me and so that next January I started out on the Longhorn run as a trick rider in 1991 and I leased Sonny through the because Keith was still working for Bruce that year so I leased Sonny as a, on a lease purchase agreement um, through that run which was at that time like 11 weeks in the spring it was a long run and uh, got Sonny bought and then that summer Jay Anders um, called she said I heard I heard your trick riding and I need a partner and um, I was like yeah I was like I'd love to um, and she's like well you're gonna have to get your PRCA card and so I had to go down to South Texas to Houston to a uh, meet her and worked with her the first time that spring after I got back from the Longhorn Run and worked for James Harper at a show and it wasn't a PRCA rodeo but he's like if she does good this weekend talking about me I'll sign for her card. And so I went down there and it went all great. And he signed for my card, Jay signed for my card, Lisa Harris signed for my card, um, Charlie Battles signed for my card, and somebody else I don't remember right now. <laughs> might have been uh might have been Keith. I can't remember right now who it was, but they all signed for my car and I got my PRCA card that summer and Jay and I traveled for three years, two or three years. Um, she ended up coming to work on the Longhorn Run with me too. And um, then a few years later, Stacy and I got married and, uh, or got together and, and then later got married. And so I kind of, Jay kind of went one way and I went the other and um, picked up some more partners on the way. I was trick road with Penny Walton, um, Melissa Navarre, um, lots of different partners along the way that we just hire rodeos at but I mean I got to where I could trick ride on Sunny and then I bought another horse and trained Bucky um and I could do most most of the act by myself I had like a wild west show act and then I Roman rode I had started Roman riding and so it just seemed more family oriented to be able to stay closer to home book smaller rodeos um make more money and still be able to you know, have a life at home. So that's kind of what I did for most of the, most of the years. Um, still kept my PRCA card, um, got back on the road and went to quite a few PRCA rodeos when Penny and I started trick riding together. Um, and then got to work the NFR in 04, um, mostly due to Penny and John Harrison helping me with that. And then, um, after Trevor, my son was born and then he got up to where he was wanting a trick ride. Um, we went pretty good for about three, four years. And then when he started riding bareback horses, he wanted to quit me. And then it was like really hard for me to go and work and book rodeos um, and not have a partner and, and still get back to work on my day. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, it seemed like every time it was time for me to quit, God or I've always felt like it was God put a horse or put something in my path that said here you still need to go 
and uh, that's kind of the way it's been. There's always been something that a horse has fell into my lap that's just opened the doors back up to where I start over again. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it it's such an inspiring story to hear you talk about, you know, basically, you know, since the early 90s, how that's kind of unfolded and all the opportunities that you've had, because it was literally, like you said, I mean, it, it was a, as a lot of people say now, like progress over perfection, like you and like you said, you didn't really know exactly what you're doing that first weekend when you're running the horse to another horse, they're just soured to down the fence, but then you just kept at it and, and the right people, you know, I think more than anything, when you were talking about that horse breaking in two with you twice and you just getting hammered, but getting back up, I mean, she saw that like you were gritty enough and tough enough when people can see that and like you having that cowgirl state of mind, they, they want to help you. They, they, they know that, you know, you're, you're going to work hard. And so I just think it's really, really inspiring to hear how that continued to just more doors open for you. Like you said, the right horses and the right people came along. And I, Mm -hmm. whenever I was living in Winniewood, that's around the time when you and Trevor were, were trick riding together. And I've, I'd never been around, you know, a father, I mean, not father, mother and son uh, duo, you know, trick riding together. And so that, it was just always really, really neat getting to watch y'all do that together. Yeah, he had not really had any interest in riding or or riding bulls or any of that. Like he he tried to ride bulls and um, when he was like a little bitty guy, I want to say six or seven years old, they were going to put him on a buck and bull calf and it wasn't like starting out on a sheep, you know, they put him on a heifer and she did slam him. And then that was it. I'm done. He wasn't going no more. And he, he didn't have any desire to do that for a while. And then he um, wanted to fight bulls and, and Cody Webster was up here playing around on the, in our practice pen. And so they were going to fight bulls and he got run over then. And that was it. He wasn't going to fight bulls anymore. And he, he thought he'd wanted to be like his dad and be a bullfighter. And, and then that didn't work. So, um, he always liked to go with me to the rodeos though. He always liked to go and hang out behind the shoots and hang out with the stock contractors and hang out with all the crew. So, um, he wanted to be part of something. And at that time we just hadn't found his niche and he was still little. Um, and so he went to the state fair with me one year and I worked the State Fair of Oklahoma City with John Harrison since 09, and uh, Leon Adams was there, and his grandson, Zane Good, and Zane and Trevor got to be big buddies, and Zane's about four years older than Trevor, Um, and Leon, he just pretty much told Trevor, he's like, get up on that team and and see if you like it, and it was um, Rudy and Trudy, the team, uh, Zane's team, and so uh, Zane kind of rode him around with them and stuff and he just thought that was the coolest and then Melissa Navarre's daughters was starting to trick ride um the oldest one at that time Shyla and he she was just a few years younger than Trevor and he was like well she can trick ride why can't I and I said well I've never you've never even had any interest in riding a horse so I would love to teach you how to trick ride um and so between Leon and Zane and uh, Shyla that that week of state fair he pretty much had decided that he wanted to try trick riding 
And so I was like, okay, that's no problem. I can get you a pony. I'll, I'll train the pony if that's what you want to do. I was like, but here's the deal. If, if you trick ride and you get paid to trick ride, that means we're going to be dedicated to practice. That means you're going to have to train this pony and that's not going to be fun. Um, it's never fun to train one. You, you, they don't understand what you're doing. And so it's a lot of work. And he's like, well, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I was like, okay, we'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> And um, luckily, my friend Sean Brackett, good trick rider and a great horse trainer, he had a horse that he had trained to trick ride, and he was slow and big and easy to ride, and he didn't have any place or use for him at that moment. And he said, well, you can just have him for a while, and, and Trevor can practice and learn on him. At least um, he was a big horse, so he couldn't do any groundwork yet, but he could at least do the elementary stuff, you know, learning how to spin the horn and get back in the saddle and uh, fender drags and something really easy for him to do and I was like okay well that's a good tryout we'll see how he likes it he really dedicated and, and tried to learn how to do it and he really wanted to be a good performer so I was like okay well I'm gonna find you a pony and we found a pony and he was a little pissant but <laughs> he turned out to be a great little trick riding pony but him and Trevor had to butt heads quite a bit and I hate that I think he might have soured Trevor before it was all said and done but by the end that pony was pretty awesome and Trevor had gotten to where he could do some really good trick riding um, and that pony ran really good and um, so we he did get to work some PRCA rodeos you know he got to work Burwell Nebraska and, and Elk City and Abilene Kansas I mean it was cool. some pretty good rodeos to be able to trick ride at that age and, um, and then he sold that pony we sold him to uh, Piper Yule and then uh, bought another pony that was a little bit bigger and he trained that one and he and then a couple of years after that he turned around and sold him but I mean he was able to buy his first rodeo van from pony sales and um you know at that in the meanwhile he had started riding the bareback horses the pony bareback horses and um, all in all I think the trick riding helped out a lot but um that was kind of the way he earned his entry fees was we would we stayed close to home and worked those open rodeos that had the junior bareback ridings and I trick rode and did their openings for them at the ward rodeos and um, Trevor could trick could ride bareback horses every weekend and get on those ponies and that's kind of what we did for about three years and I, I tell you I, it wasn't big rodeos they weren't pro rodeos but we had so much fun just the family every weekend with our friends and they were you know within two hours of the house and we got to perform and and it was just a lot of fun for a few oh, years yeah there. that yeah. well and their their memories you know you're going up and down the road but but you're getting to make those memories with your family and um I I just really really enjoy you know hearing it's one thing to see it but then like hearing the ins and outs of what's actually going on behind the scenes of how you know he played a huge part in training that first pony and then training the second mm -hmm. one and and like you said from the money earned and stuff was able to buy his first you know rodeo van to to go on the road and and rodeo yeah. um so that really really cool um Wendy whenever you're you know, you're talking about training these different horses and the ones that you've had over the years, what are some traits that you look for in, you know, in that horsepower when you're trying to, whether you're putting together a Roman riding team or a trick riding horse, what, what are you looking for? Um, you know, the trick riding horses usually will work for Roman riding teams, most of them. 
Um, you want on a Roman team, you kind of like to have them built the same so that they have the same gait. Um, and I've only trained a few sets of Roman teams. Um, and that was basically, I learned a lot after I trained a few sets of Roman teams um, and they were decent. I wasn't as great a Roman rider as I thought I should have been at the time. So I didn't really push it. Um, and then when Vicky and Leon ended up giving me Rudy and Trudy, that team of Zanes after Zane quit, they called and said, and it was one of those, you know, open door moments when you're, I'm like literally saying, okay, I'm done. And Vicki Adams calls and says, hey, I want you to have this team out of the blue. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm not done. <laughs> but when I rode that team for a while, I was like, holy, this is amazing. I didn't realize how easy this could be. And then it seemed like it was easier to train the next two horses that come along after Rudy died. I was like, wow, that, that wasn't that hard. Um, so, you know, even at, in my 40s, I learned a lot of about Roman riding that I sure wish I would have known in my 20s. Um, trick riding horses have always been an easy thing for me to train. I mean, you don't, you know, once you get a good one, you keep them forever. So you, I've only had to train four. Um, so, or actually three, but um, I had Sonny, he was already trained. So he taught me a lot. And then I got Bucky, um, bought him. It was kind of one of those deals. We were leaving Minneapolis in the freezing cold, record-breaking low. Joe Simon brought a horse in off a truck of one of his sale trucks, and we were loading up to leave, and this horse unloaded. And I was like, oh, he is built so pretty. Palomina looked a lot like Sonny. I just swung up on him and loped him in a circle, and I was like, I got to have this horse. And um, he turned out to be the best trick riding horse that I've ever had. And um, so I had him and then he broke his, he broke his stifle um, in 08 or 07. And I had that spring, my vet that I'd worked for, Dr. Billings, um, he had a Palomina and he's like, hey, my sister's got a Palomina that needs a place to go. And he might work as a Roman team with that uh, Uriel horse, which would be Bucky. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take him. And so he'd give me this horse. And his name was Spook. So I had a lot of rodeos that summer and I was able to haul him with me and try to get him, get him ready for Roman riding. Um, and he was doing pretty good. Um, and I had only trickered on him just a hair, just, just to see if he's going to work. He was big, strong, and powerful and really hard to stay with on the trick riding because he was just so thoroughbred built that um, long strided. And I trick riding horses are a whole lot better if they're short strided and choppy one they look like they're running fast even when they're not two it's a whole lot smoother in your straps um the big long strided horses really snatch with every stride so anyway he was like the big strong stout horse and um i'll never forget we were in i think manhattan kansas and there's like a carnival all around us and i'm like well i need to i need to see if he's going to work and he did pretty decent. And I'll be, if Bucky didn't get cast in the stall and he went ahead and fractured that stifle that night. And I had to pull that horse out and use him the next two weeks before we could get home. And, uh, and ended up having a trick ride on him for the next year. Um, 
year and a half, I guess. And he did okay. He, I felt like he set me back a long ways because I couldn't do a lot of things on him that I did on Bucky. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was working the Longhorn run. I was taking care of the openings for the Longhorns. Those were always six white horses. And my best friend, Tony, she had was a trainer at the racetrack and they had this gray horse that they had bought or had had as a pony horse it was actually someone had owed him money and gave him this horse for debt and she's like we don't have enough room for him this winter and I think he'll do for your openings if you'll take him um, and feed him I won't even charge you a lease and see if you can sell him and uh, I was like okay so I take blue on the run with us and I flag break him in like two days and he is like the best opening horse we got. Everybody wanted to ride blue. So while we're on that spring, I was like, I'm going to see if this horse will be a trick riding horse. And before the end of that run, I was, I could have done a performance on him. He just picked it right up. And so he became my main horse after that up until like, I still have him, but um, I think I trick rode on him once last year, (laughs) just out of the blue. Um, But it just seems like every time I need a horse or every time I think I'm going to quit, it, one just kind of pops right back up. I'm so glad that they have because you, um, I mean, you truly are like a, a, a legend in, you know, the sport of rodeo and trick riding. And I've, you know, just over the past few years, you know, seen other, you know, it seems like there's quite a few girls that have come up, you know, trick riding that, that I feel like, you know, they've looked to you, um, you know, for some guidance and stuff. And I guess that is kind of my next question. I mean, if somebody's listening, Wendy, that, you know, whether it's a parent and their kid says they want a trick ride, or if it's somebody that, that wants to, and they just don't even know where to start, like, um, where are some good places they can go or people they could reach out to? Like, what would you recommend as like, first thing they should do? First thing is, I wouldn't buy a saddle and a horse right off the bat. Um, Karen Bold has a school up in uh, Colorado every year that is probably the best trick riding school and she'll provide the saddle and the horses and she'll take you through the ringer and if they come out of that wanting to trick ride then then they'll make it and they'll be worth the investment Um, it you're going to get hurt it's painful it you're going to have bruises from your head to your toes and um it's going to be something that the, they've got to be dedicated to doing. And there's a lot of kids that start out young and they're burnt out by the time they're teenagers and, you know, don't push them you know, this. If they, if it's something they want to do as a career, then it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be on their own terms, I think, because um, you can burn someone out really fast on this just because it's painful. It's a lot of work. Um, it's, it's also very humbling <laughs> when you can't get your body to do what you think your mind tells it to do. Um, and it's a lot of fear. I mean, to bail off a horse running, it's a whole lot of mind over matter. And so you got to get a good mental state to be able to hold it together and still smile and sell it, even though, you know, your saddle might be slipping. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So <laughs> it's just a, a lot to a lot for a parent to think about before they just say, oh, that looks cool. Let's just throw our kid into that. And, and another thing is I see, and one of my biggest pet peeves is uh, clinicians, people that are wanting to put clinics on us, trick riding clinics, and 
and I've never even heard of them. And I'm thinking, if you're still going to a clinic yourself, you don't have any business teaching a kid. So check resumes. Like there is some outstanding trick riders that are putting on schools right now. Madison McDonald, Loretta Pemberton. Um, I mean, some amazing trick riders and they, they are, have earned their names in the rodeo business and anywhere they had ever wanted to trick ride, they would have been the top. They are the top notch trick riders. So if I was going to learn, I'm, I'm definitely going to send my kid to someone that's world renowned, not, not the fourth string. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and you can't really put a price on experience. And mm-hmm. whenever you've got somebody that's actually been there, done that, and um, I, I think whether you're trick riding or trying to learn how to rope or run barrels or anything, I mean, safety, safety is a big factor. And if, if you've got somebody with that experience, they're going to put your kids safety first, I'd, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. And they know they can see things before it happens. Um, they see the scenarios, they can watch a horse and tell and that's a that's a lot of it. And I get calls all the time wanting clinics or lessons and I don't have time. And I just are, I have I wish I could and I hate turning people down and but I'd rather send them to the people they're trying to still make a living at that, like, like Madison, um, you know, she's trying to make a living at what she, at teaching. And so I'm fine with sending them her way or sending them to Karen. Um, those are, those are people that I definitely have my respect and know what they're doing. And I don't feel guilty about sending a kid to learn from them. Absolutely. Um, well, through all these different, I mean, you've gotten to travel a ton of places. You were talking about, you know, getting to work, just the Longhorn running itself, you know, it was something that Loretta Lynn, you know, was a part of. And so um, do you have a favorite rodeo or even maybe um, just one of the coolest places that you've ever gotten to perform? Um, We worked Auburn Hills every year and that was the palace where the Pistons play. That was probably my yearly favorite rodeo. It was, uh, huge beautiful coliseum that at the time I don't even know if it's still there now but at the time it was the one of the nicest coliseums in the United States um in Detroit uh, and that I believe it held 15,000 people and there was several times when it was as loud or louder than Thomas Mack um you could not even hear each other talking in the arena it was so loud and just the roar of the crowd was amazing. And so that is something I would say it will always be my favorite place. Um, and then of course the NFR and the IFRs were always great too. Um, you know, I, I feel like I can remember just about every performance of every IFR I ever worked and the feel of, you know, I finally did this. It's finally, it's finally made my dream come true kind of deal. Um, and I mean, I still have, you, you conquer your dreams and then it's like, well, okay, I guess I'm done. And then things like I say, the doors open and people send you something new and you're like, well, maybe I'm not done. And so now you have to get new goals. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, new goals and, and try to push yourself again and see if you can still do it. Yeah, well, you there, that's, there's one thing about it. I've I've never known you to to be a 
real still. I feel like you're always going and working toward the next thing, um, no matter what it is, trick riding or making sure Trevor, you know, um, was able to get up and down the road and be competitive or helping Wendell put on bull rides or whatever it's been. I mean, you're always, you're, you're just a doer, you know, um, some people aren't, but, but you are one of those, that rare breed that you are, you're just kind of a mover and a shaker. And, um, speaking of like, you mentioned the IFR, so that's coming up just here in a couple of weeks. Um, and it's going to be held in Guthrie this year. So tell, Tell us about kind of your involvement, you know, um, with the IPRA over the past few years or as long as you've been, you know, kind of in the rodeo business and then um, what it's been like getting to watch, you know, your son compete at the IFR as well. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome last year, getting to watch him compete for his rookie year and um, it didn't go like he wanted. I was still proud of him. I thought he made a great showing for his first year at the IFR and he came in about, I think ninth or 10th in the standings. That was, I thought was amazing for a rookie. And, um, so this year, of course, with Corona, it has not been very many rodeos to go to. And he only ended up going to three and then he had broke his hand, um, early, like at the last rodeo, he broke his wrist and it took all summer. And then, he had to start college rodeoing. So he only ended up going to like three rodeos this year. And then, um, but got, ended up getting called in to, to come to the finals this year. And I had said, um, I, my best friend, Tony, again, the one that I got in blue from a few years back, she, uh, in 2016 or 2017, I believe she had her, her most favorite race horse that she'd ever had. It was her baby. Um, she had to move home to take care of her parents. Uh, mom had gotten cancer and was in, was pretty bad terminal. And uh, she called and she's like, this horse is going to waste. He don't have any other horses around. Um, I know you'll take care of him. Please come get him. I want you to do something with him. And she, at the time we were thinking barrels. So um, he's a big 16 hand triple a racehorse right off the track you know she had done a lot of trail riding and a lot of just riding on him and so he had a really good handle and so I picked Panther up going to the CWRA finals um that year I think Trevor was in that too that year so I picked him up got him home tried to make a barrel horse out of him it did he just didn't like it but I could tell that he would be something that a liberty act or a, a dancing horse like he had that personality so I told her I was like I think I'm gonna switch this deal and make him start doing some dancing like marches and cooch and um, side passing and and then see if he'll take to the tricks you know the bowing and laying down and all that and she's like okay whatever and so um ended up like that he just took right to it and so for the last three years I haven't pushed real hard but I've been slowly training on this horse um, he's a beautiful big black horse that, I mean, he's got a beautiful dance moves and, and he's working Liberty now. And, um, so I, I ended up saying, okay, well, if Trevor makes the IFR this year, I'm going to enter the contract act showcase. I haven't done it since 09. Um, and I won it that year. So it's like, <laughs> I, okay, if he makes the IFR and sure enough, they, when he called in, he made it. I was like, oh, well, I guess I need to <laughs> suck it up and enter. <laughs> so uh, 
he's only got like three rodeos under his belt, but we're going to enter the showcase and see how it goes. And, um, and then spend the weekend hopefully and root Trevor on, hopefully he'll do well in the average. Oh, that's awesome, Wendy. I, I'm so pumped um, for both you and Trevor, but for you and Panther and kind of making your, you know, your debut together at the, the showcase there at the IFR. And, yeah. um, could you tell the listeners just a little bit more about that showcase? Because I feel like that's something that is really unique to the IFR in itself, mm-hmm. um, having all these different contract acts there in one place that's kind of held outside of the actual rodeo each each night yeah and it happens every they've done this for uh, as long as I can remember at least 20 years they've had this showcase and it's been pretty special for the specialty acts in that period I mean um, no other association holds their specialty acts with such regard that they would actually give them a whole day of the arena Um, and this is where you enter the showcase you can either enter it as the competition part of it or you can enter it just to show the committees and the stock contractors what you've got and it's basically a um, bullfighters, barrel men, specialty acts all going together, but uh, split up on the competition between each group. Um, and the stock contractors and the rodeo committees can come and watch and see who's new and what's out there. And it's free. It's a it's a free show that, you know, I think is probably something that um, anybody in the Guthrie, Oklahoma City area would love to take their kids to because They've always enjoyed it. Um, and then it's about a two and a half hour show. It starts at 11 o'clock on Friday. And then there'll be uh, freestyle bullfights also that will be part of the show. Um, and then, of course, Friday night's the first performance of the IFR at the, at the Lazy. And then Saturday at, I believe, 1. And then Saturday night at 7. And then Sunday at 1 again will be the, the final perf of the IFR. So, um, I believe there's a kid's day even, like, um, I want to say Saturday morning or Sunday morning where it's a free kid's deal where they can come and, um, get to meet some of the IFR contestants and play around and see if they want to be cowboys and get some free gifts, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, along with the showcase being a free thing, they have so much for families to come to, uh, beginning of the week. They have the buck and stock sale on Monday or Sunday and Monday. And then they go into the IMRA, which is the International Miniature Rodeo Association finals, their national finals. And that starts Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I believe. So um, it's going to be a full week starting next Sunday. Yeah. Oh, man. That it's just like you said, there's there's so much that you can come and experience and do and, and you can do it on a budget with your family and um, I just, I'm really looking forward to being able to watch, you know, via social media, you know, some of the live broadcasting that'll take place, um, of the rodeo, but then also the, the IPRA has been really good about posting stuff on their Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm just really looking yeah, forward to this rodeo up. USA pageant. I, I, I should have mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I think that that kicks off either on Monday or Tuesday as well. And, um, so yeah, there, there's plenty for everybody to to do um, while they're up there, you know, in the Guthrie, Oklahoma City area that week. And we'll definitely be cheering for you and Panther and, and Trevor as well. Um, yeah. 
Wendy, you even, um, you know, it's been so neat, like you said, to watch your whole family just be involved with rodeo. And you've got another really neat tie, you know, to the IFR and the IPRA. Um, your daughter, Shelby, she actually works for the IPRA now. Yes, um, she got a job working there when Carissa Stewart retired. And um, before that, she had started dating a, an IPRA bull rider. And they have since now gotten married and she works for the IPRA and he still goes to IPRA radios and rides bulls. And they just had a baby boy cashing. Um, so, so cute. So starting cute. the next, yeah, starting the next generation of IPRA rodeo kids. Um, he's at the IPRA office every day. So that's literally what, um, cause you said that your, your granddad did and your grandma put on IPRA rodeos, right? Yes, they had so, open rodeos, but they did have IPRA rodeos too. So this, I mean, Cashin will be fifth generation then, right? Yes. Wow, that's, that, right. that's some family tradition right there. Yeah, yeah, pretty special. Well, Wendy, I so enjoy getting to visit with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And so I've got a couple of questions to kind of wrap us up. So um, what is the wildest thing you've ever had to fix on the fly with bungee cords, baling wire, or duct tape? <laughs> well, it was, uh, those are safe things. Um, my stirrup fender broke right before performance. I want to say while I was carrying the American flag, um, and I get out and I have to trick ride, I think, in two events. And nobody has leather. Nobody has any baling wire. And I go to the concession stand and I find, um, ask them for some bread twisty ties. Oh my. And fix my fender. <laughs> oh. And, my you know, I, I think it was a year before I realized that, oh, you know what? I should probably fix that. <laughs> <laughs> Those were good twisty ties. That was the good bread. Uh, yeah. Wonder bread. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that I think that wins. The saddle the maker, he's like, yeah, the saddle guy. I forget who was working on my saddle at the time, and he's like, "What is this?" And I said, "You know, it's lasted for about a year. I think they're pretty good." <laughs> so. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Um, and I'm so glad you know you got through that safely. Um, yeah. If, if there is one thing that you feel like you do to kind of keep just embrace that cowgirl state of mind when things go south or when your fender breaks but you got to get ready what what what's that one thing you do to keep your mind right Wendy I feel like when I'm most stressed is when I'm usually something kicks in and I'm gonna go clean the barn go ride every horse I've got I might strip all the saddles I may strip the house I might just it's like it's a cleansing for me to to clean and work. I need work. I need physical labor. And yeah. that usually can reset my head. Um, but that's typically what is my go-to is I'll work until I'm exhausted. And then I don't have to worry about whatever it was I was worried about. Uh, amen. That's, I, um, I spend so much time on a, a computer these days for work that I, I miss the physical the physical labor and as a kid I never thought I'd say that I was like if I have to chunk one more hay bale you know but um now that I'm grown and, and my job's a lot different I um I like to be able to go and work and do something with my hands like you said to just kind of reset my mind and so um yeah I, I that doesn't relate that, to that. 
Now working out does not count because I can't do that. <laughs> that does not help me one bit. I got to go get something actually a uh, something like a production of something done. Right, right. <laughs> I see progress. Yeah, you can see that progress right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, Wendy, how how can people connect with you to just stay up to date on what all you've got going on? I'm on Facebook. I don't have a page. Um, when I started working full time, I didn't have the opportunity to take off a whole lot of time to go rodeo and book rodeo. So I didn't feel like it was fair to put myself out there and try to book a bunch of rodeos. Um, I'll take them as I come and and so I don't I don't beat the bushes and try to get hired anymore if somebody calls me and I can work it out to where it's a weekend I feel like I can get off from work then I'll I'll go um so Facebook Facebook Messenger um I do have an Instagram account but it's not I'm not on it very often so Facebook Messenger is usually the best way to catch me Awesome. Um, well, thank you again. I know everybody's going to really enjoy listening to this and um, best of luck, you know, next week. Um, and, and as you're prepping this week, getting stuff around, you know, for the IFR mm -hmm. and um, just can't wait to see what, what goals you're, you're going after next, Wendy. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. All right, girl, take care. You too. Love you. Love you. Thank you for spending your time with me on the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm so glad y'all stopped by. If you could take a moment to share this episode and tag us on social media, I'd be happier than a cowgirl in a sea of buy one, get one vintage turquoise. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. New episodes will be released bi-monthly. Please leave us a review if you feel so led by going to iTunes. Your feedback will really help us breed the idea of grabbing life by the horns with a cowgirl state of mind into women across the globe. Some that may have never even had the privilege to throw their leg over a horse, but could most certainly use the cowgirl state of mind while navigating life. Thanks again, y'all. Until next time, keep pursuing your dreams with that all-go and no-woe mentality. Remember... You're writing a story that's worth saddling up for, sister.